Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In today's episode, we talk about why central banks are making interest rates go up lately. This is the fourth episode of the series on interest rates rise, inflation, and the impact of both those phenomena on treasury activities. I know, you probably are a corporate treasury passionate, and for the last three episodes, you have been wondering where the hell is the breakdown of my weekly corporate treasury topics. Let me reassure you, we are getting to it. But Hussam and myself really wanted to shed light on the different economical factors in question when it comes to interest rates in corporate treasury. The idea is to give a better understanding of the overall situation and not to look at it only from a treasury perspective. We just talk about how central banks set interest rates. It is now time to discuss why and also the reasons they are going up lately. Let's get on with the show. So how does all of this link back to interest rates then, Gil? Mm -hmm. So what's the technical link between buying and selling bonds and mm -hmm. interest rates? Yeah. So there is this uh, supply and demand impact on the amount of money, right? And we talked about government, government bonds, sorry, treasury bonds for the US. We also touched upon the fact that those are the very safe uh investment instrument that you can use and actually they are considered the safest instruments uh, of investment that you could do usually com coming obviously at a rather low interest rate since it is the safest investment it can actually be used as a benchmark by any financial institution as the base for all these instruments on which they will add an extra margin earlier in this episode you talked about okay um, if my 100 euros now can be worth 110 euros in one week, I'm agreeing to lend it to you, but you need to repay me at least 110, if not more, right? This is exactly the same logic here. Any riskier counterparty than the government should be treated with a higher interest rate. So like business, individuals, financial institutions, etc., will all get an interest rate above the one of the treasury or the government bonds. Okay, so that, but this interest rate is paid to you, not to the bank. What do you mean? So uh, usually we think of interest rates as I'm paying the bank interest. Yes. But in this case, the central bank is paying me interest, or the government is paying me interest exactly. for lending them money. Yes. So it's kind of a bit of the opposite. Exactly. So what you're saying is the base level for me to lend you 100 euros, mm -hmm. you need to pay me at least as much as the government would pay me, if not more. Exactly. If you decide to invest those 100 euros into a government bond... I say, know I will get... 2%, let's exactly. say. Exactly. Okay. The government is for sure safer than me. For yes. sure. So if you lend it to me, you'd rather have more than 110 euros yes. at so the end of the period. Makes of the a lot of sense. So how is that baseline interest rate calculated then? Because if that's the benchmark for the whole economy to mm -hmm. set their interest rates, exactly. how is that base government interest rate set? And now we're going to get into the technicalities, Mayusa. I love it. So let's break it down with an example since that's the best way to present it. Let's take a bond of 10,000 US dollars uh, issued by the government to finance some short and mid-term needs, right? This bond has a maturity of five years. So it's a mid-term uh, need. The government, what does maturity mean? The government commits to repay the principal, so the initial amount of money, in 60 months, in five years. 
Each year, the government pays what we call a coupon of 500 US dollars, which is the reward for you to lend money to the government. Coupon is the term coming from the very first paper physical bonds, where you had to tear off a small piece of the paper itself, which corresponded to the amount to be paid at the end of a certain period for holding that bond. Which means, at the moment the bond is issued, the yearly yield is 5%. What we could call the interest rate, but here it's not the proper technical term, is 5%, right? 10,000 is the initial amount, you get 500. So if you divide the whole, it's a 5% interest rate or yearly yield. But this bond can then be traded on the secondary market, right? If you lend me money, I'm the government, you lend me money, so you hold that bond, but then you can sell it somewhere else and say, look, uh, the government is going to pay me 500 US dollars per year. Do you want that in exchange of a certain amount of money? This bond can be traded on the secondary market, which means the owner of this security can change over the course of the period. For instance, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, can decide to buy some for the reason we just mentioned after we just mentioned earlier. Since it is the safest investments, other investors might be interested into owning some as well, right? To diverse and secure their portfolio, for instance. Therefore, the demand can be high and the price may increase because there is only a limited amount of government bonds on the market. Now, let's say that because the demand is high, typically the central bank is buying a lot of government bonds, this bond is now traded on the secondary market at 12,000 US dollars. But the coupon will remain 500 US dollars. Therefore, the yield is no longer 5%, but 4.1. And this is the benchmark for all the other debt instruments on the market. So when the central bank buys a lot of government bonds, they increase the price it's traded at on the secondary market, but not the initial amount. And therefore, the yearly yield decreases because the security is worth more. That was a big piece. Is it clear? Mm. Okay, so let me some, try and summarize. Yes. So many different markets happening at the same time and a lot of percentages changed in that True. description. So I want to make sure I understand this. Yes. I have a bond that the government sells mm -hmm. for 10,000 euros. Yes. Right. The government says, hey, I'm issuing these new bonds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to build a bridge. It's going to cost 100,000. I'm going to sell 10 bonds for 10,000 each. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, give me some money. I need this money to build the bridge. And mm -hmm. the government, you know you can trust me. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say you get 500 euros a year just because you lent me this money. Yeah. Right? Out of each 10,000. Of each 10,000 bond that you buy. Yes. Therefore, if you buy a bond for 10,000, you get a 5% return on that every year. Exactly. For five years. Yes. I'd say. Right? Yes. Now, that you can be very happy with that. I sit with my 10,000. The government has my 10,000. Mm -hmm. I have this bond. They're paying me 500 a year. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Or... And, and this could be me as a person or, in this example, the Treasury Department or the ECB, right? Exactly. The European Central Bank is the people buying the bond. Yeah. But then they're like, well, actually, me as a person, I'm like, I need the cash now. So I'm mm -hmm. going to go into another market yes. where people are buying and selling government bonds, not mm -hmm. to do with the government. Yeah. Say, hey, guys, I have this bond. It represents 10,000 mm -hmm. um, with the government. You get 5% a year on it, though. Yeah. So you get 500 euros a year. Does anyone want to buy it off me for... A certain price right now yes right? now if there aren't too many of those bonds in that secondary market mm -hmm. right let's say the private market away from the government 
then the price of that bond could be more than 10,000, right? It could be 12,000. Exactly. But if it's 12,000, it's still 500 a year. So instead of a 5% yield, it's this 4.1% yield. Exactly. Because the yield value is the same, but as a percentage, it's lower because the value of the bond is higher. Exactly. So that is, yield is another, let's say, how we call interest rates here, right? So it went from this government bond gives you an interest of 5% because mm-hmm. it's worth 10,000, you get 500 to yeah. this government bond gives you an interest rate of 4.1% because exactly. it's 500 on 12,000, 12, right? Exactly. So that way, the interest rate of the government bonds is changing. Exactly. Now, in that secondary market, mm-hmm. if the treasury wants to, the government treasury, right? Not mm-hmm. the corporate treasury, but government, government treasury. Well, it's important to make the difference. Make the distinction. <laughs> If the treasury says, okay, hey, look, we want to change the interest rates, mm-hmm. the base interest rate for the economy is these government bonds. We're going to go into the secondary market and either flood it with government bonds to reduce the price and therefore increase the interest rates mm-hmm. or buy all the government bonds. So the price of them goes up because yeah. there's less of them. Yeah. And therefore the yield per bond goes up. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Is that a bit... So you can either... So you have these two levels, right? You have the government selling these bonds mm-hmm. with a fixed yield. Yep. Then that enters the secondary market where you're looking as the yield as a percentage of the value of the bond. Exactly. And you can change the value of the bond by having more bonds or less bonds in the market. That's exactly. basic supply and demand. Yep. That's and it. The treasury goes into that secondary market and influences the base interest rate using that. Exactly. And so I think indeed you're right to touch upon that two terms here. So the secondary markets, what I mean with that is where everybody or more like the financial institutions can trade and exchange, buy and sell all kinds of stocks, bonds and securities. The first market, the primary market, how we call it, will be where you issue the bonds in the first place. Mm-hmm. You are Hussam uh, Corporation all around the world. You need to build a new factory. You need to issue bonds or you need to issue stock so we'll, you will go and meet with a, an investment bank to have them like issue new bonds or new equity shares on the market. And the way that will be done is through the first primary market mm-hmm. because it's new. The secondary market is where those same mm-hmm. either bonds or shares will be traded and exchanged publicly once they have been already issued. Mm-hmm. This is the distinction between the primary and secondary. And the secondary is just what you touched upon, where all the financial institutions, including the central banks, can exchange and trade freely securities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so very clear, Guillaume. I think that's a good overview of how interest rates are set via the secondary bond market by the Treasury Department or the ECB, the European Central Bank, for exactly. example. Are there other ways that they can influence the interest rates? Absolutely. So this was rather macro, um, a macro vision, but... It is a used mechanism, especially in the United States, with the Federal Reserve. Now, if we look more closely at the ECB, the European Central Bank, for instance, this one is controlling interest rates through three different mechanisms. We need to keep in mind that for regulation and security of the economy purposes, especially since 2008, all the banks, commercial and investment banks, not the central ones, but commercial and investment banks, the private institutions of this market, they all need to hold an account at their dedicated central bank with, on it, a minimum amount of money. 
This amount of money is determined by how much money a bank holds in its own account, like the money of its customers, basically. The idea is to make sure that in case of unforeseen events or big withdrawal trends, banks can ensure people will get their money back. That doesn't really answer your question, Sam. I'm coming to it. Now, what is, what is interesting is what happens to that money that the private banks hold in the European Central Bank accounts. First, the ECB pays a certain amount of interest for this money to be sitting in its vault, right? Even if it's a regulation requirement, there are interests paid out of this money. And this is the first interest rate that the central bank can act on, obviously. Fun fact, in the past years, yeah, it's more or less fun, but I like to call it a fun fact. In the past years, this interest rate was negative, which means it pushed the banks to have as little deposit from their own clients as possible. And so pushing and emphasizing the will for investment, putting money into the economy rather than having them sitting in their account. Now, let's say that at the end of the day, a commercial bank figures out that it won't be able to comply with the regulation and has less money on its European Central Bank account than required. It will then need to borrow money overnight. That's something we touched upon into the uh, funding and investment uh, episode. They need to borrow money overnight, eventually from the European Central Bank itself. And this is the second rate the ECB can act on. How much money costs overnight at the very source. And finally, banks can also borrow from the ECB on a one-week period because they have a shortfall for more than just one day. Again, against a certain amount of interest as well. This is the third rate the ECB can act on. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, not only can the ECB... So, this is a very European thing. This is more how the yes. European market works. Exactly. Uh, they not only influence the interest rates by buying and selling government bonds on the secondary market mm -hmm. to uh, influence that yield versus value ratio, which exactly. we call interest, right? Exactly. Um, but also, there are multiple situations where commercial banks mm -hmm. need to borrow money or hold money with the central bank. Exactly. And then they can decide what to charge or give that bank so that way, it's not even just like uh, playing with the supply and demand of stocks, but they really say, yeah, it's 2%, mate. Exactly. Or it's 3%, or it's 2.5%, or it's negative one, right? Yes. To try and drive uh, that interest rate to the commercial banks, which then they build on that base interest rate for their interest rates, right? Exactly. And that makes sense, sense, right? Because if you're the central bank and you say to the banks, look, having money in my accounts will cost you money. And that amount of money you need to have in my European Central Bank accounts is depending on how much you hold in your own accounts. Then you push the commercial banks to invest money. And you push commercial banks to say to their clients, look, rather than having, I don't know, 1,000 euros uh, or 100,000 euros in my accounts, let's invest it somewhere, like invest on a project or invest in a, on the financial market for it to be used as an as investment rather than keeping them on your accounts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they can also push money in and out of the economy that way as well, whilst also influencing the interest rates. Exactly. Very clear. So then, yeah, you gave the very specifics on different ways they can do that. Mm -hmm. There's this minimum. Uh, there's this minimum amount of cash which banks, commercial banks, need to keep in their bank account at all time. Yes. So this maybe more, a lot of people don't know. Like, if I have a hundred euros in my bank account, mm -hmm. the bank doesn't necessarily keep the hundred euros like safe in a vault. They might keep five euros of that 
there. Exactly. Um, and then they themselves go off and invest 95 euros wherever they want to. Potentially. Right, Indeed. potentially. Um, but they know, hey, I might come back for my 100% of my value, but mm -hmm. most people aren't going to come back and take all their money out at the same time. Exactly. It's just sitting there, might as well invest it for our own gains. Um, and that minimum hold mm -hmm. is set by the government, which exactly. changed a lot in the... Uh, 2008 crash, right? Exactly. After that. Exactly. Um, so that they can influence how much the commercial banks need to hold as a minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, hey, you need to hold it. And by the way, you need to hold it with us. Exactly. By the way, we're going to give you interest for holding it with us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we can influence it that way. Um, or the other Precisely. ways, like you said, right? Uh, they can change the borrowed if the commercial bank needs to borrow from the central bank, mm -hmm. then they can say, yeah, we'll give you money and we'll charge you this interest rate. Yeah. Would that not come off of the government bond rate as well? So we said earlier that if you charge me an interest rate, you're yes. going to look at the government bond rate. Yes. The Treasury Department or the ECB, the yeah. European Central Bank, isn't going to look at the Treasury bond rate. They're going to look at the rate that they want to have. Exactly. But those two are linked, right? Yes. They're doing all of it at the same time. They're exactly. Different levers, right? Exactly. So it's a further way to reinforce the interest rate. Yeah. Very clear. Um, and through those three interest rates, the ECB can either push banks to have as little money or as maximum money as possible. Precisely. So they're also affecting the amount of money in the economy. Yes. Meaning they can push the banks to say, hey, it's a really good idea to invest right now because mm -hmm. the interest rates that we're giving you for storing money with us is super low or negative. Exactly. You need to pay us to keep your money. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the other way around. Hey, we need to slow down investments in the economy. Yeah. We're going to give very nice interest rates for storing money. Exactly. So it's more interesting to store your money. The risk to reward ratio changes, I guess. Exactly.